This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic, craziness, no time, no fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform, perform. Harder, harder. Push, push. Machines, high pressure, no time. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless this is efficiency on demand and this is your host monique welcome to efficiency on demand everyone that's another episode and today i have a wonderful guest we connected back in i want to say it's a year ago when i've been in berlin and he is kind of in the business coaching area, but he has already two really successful businesses. And we're going to talk a little bit about how he got there. And he's now getting more and more known and visible for talking about the real things on Facebook, for example. And uh, (laughs) that's what I'm going to dive in first, because I love these kind of uh, more or less controversial topics that he sometimes talks about. But let me introduce you first to Ross Johnson. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, it's really early for you now. Where are you right now? I'm in LA. Yeah, oh, cool. just got in from Paris a couple of days ago. Nice. And you recently started traveling. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I haven't really been out in the world that much, but now I'm like, well, I have time, so I should probably go do some things. And uh, I went to Dubai for a bit. That was interesting. Then I went to Egypt, see the pyramids, and then I just went to Paris. And yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, all those places are really different, (laughs) but they all have like their own things. I don't think I would go back to Egypt. I was pretty sketchy there. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Have you been there? I've been to Tunisia, but not to Egypt yet. But um, I mean, I usually am in sketchy places, if you want to call it that. So I'm just laughing hard. People at the hotel were like, yeah, you probably shouldn't go outside. I'm like, okay, (laughs) there's like military tanks on the street. There's like people like, I mean, even our hotel tried to scam us. Like we showed up and they're like, yeah, you double booked your stay. And I'm like, no, we didn't. No, I guess you did. You got to pay double. No, No refunds. And I'm like, all right. So... We're like, all right, I'll have my to figure that out later. Like, I'm not going to deal with that. And then we go and get ice cream and they're like, oh, thanks so much for coming in. We go back and get ice cream the next day. They're like, you only paid for one of your ice creams last night. We didn't charge you the full amount. So you need to pay double today. I'm like, it's just like, it was like that with taxis. It was like that with ice cream. It was like that with the food. It was like crazy. You take a picture of someone, they're like, you just took a picture of me. I want $5. I'm like, yeah. I was not taking a picture of you. <laughs> It's like so weird over there. But yeah, definitely interesting to see the pyramids and do all that stuff. And I really like Dubai. I really like Paris. I think I'll go back there and live there for a bit. But I definitely gained some weight. Like they are like full on with the croissant movement over there. Like there's so, they're like, please have some bread, sir. Have some more bread. And like, would you like any more bread for dessert? I'm like, I'm good. Like, (laughs) 
I love it. It's hard to say no to it because like their food is so good. But uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm walking around a lot. I don't know. But now that I'm back in LA, I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm like in a routine. Like, you go to the gym and uh, actually speak English and <laughs> stuff done. So. I mean, so this is really hilarious to me because I'm on the road for 14 years. Five and a half years have been full-time traveling for me. And so other travel stories from, from people who haven't been traveling that much before are always super interesting to me, how they like kind of perceive that. So the bread thing is really cool because I am from Germany. So I kind of grew up on bread and potatoes, right? And so right. just today for lunch, I ate like a kilogram of potatoes and I had to laugh so hard because... I have so many friends who really are not into carbs for like fitness reasons. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how you survive guys. <laughs> yeah, no carbs are great. I think potatoes are a great carb though. They don't have that many calories, but when you're eating like bread with butter, like croissants are so cal, so many calories. And the thing is like, because I was traveling, I just, I think you probably, you've probably got this thing nailed by now, but it's like, I am, I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym. And then someone's like, we should do photos today at the Eiffel Tower. And I'm like, oh, we should. And then they're like, let's get croissants on the way home. And I'm like, <laughs> wonderful. What a wonderful idea. And then they're like, oh, we'll stop here. And like, all of a sudden it's like 9.30 at night. And I'm like, oh, I didn't go to the gym today. I'll just go to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> and then like, oh, the gym's closed today. And I'm like, oh, well, let's get a croissant then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm really out of routine here. So I think, I think it was, it was interesting. I'm definitely going to go back and travel because kind of what I'm doing right now is, you know, I have a house in LA I'm trying to get rid of it, but I also have a house in Puerto Rico that I got in January. I haven't mm -hmm. even seen it yet though. And um, <laughs> I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to move in there. Let's see in like five days for the first time, which is going to be great. And it's a whole tax thing. Like I live in Puerto Rico for taxes. So I can't be in the United States for more than 90 days. And I don't want to be in Puerto Rico for the rest of the year. So it means that I'm like going to be traveling most of the time. Yeah. And so my thing is like stay in Puerto Rico for a month, travel for two months, stay in Puerto Rico for a month, travel for two months. So I'm going to get the hang of this thing. I'll be on your level soon. So if you want a tip for your travel routines, you want to find something else by the gym. I promise you, you will not hit the gym often on the traveling. I never seen one gym while I was traveling. Never, ever, ever, ever. What do you do? Like run? So in Latin America, in really, if I choose your words, sketchy countries, <laughs> I would walk about like 20 kilometers a day. Yeah, I walked a lot. Hmm. I walked a lot, but it's like... I don't know. I just don't want to lose my muscle. You know, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. But you know, it's actually, it's not that hard. So it's just a little bit of a thing. First of all, you want to have a really high intense workout routine that can give you like a really good workout in 30 minutes in the morning. And then you just use things you have around like heavy water bottles. I have like these five liter water bottles that you can buy everywhere in countries like where I've been around and then you just buy two and then you use them for workouts. You're going to drink the water anyways. So, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you got to get pretty crafty with it. I thought about doing a lot of body weight stuff, but I ended up finding gyms everywhere except Egypt, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it's not that you won't find them, but as you said, right, you will get 
used to the fact that you got to be out so much. So having a 30 minute routine, like with body weight or whatever it is that you do in the morning at home before you even can go out, that that's just going to nail it. And it's, that's going to put yourself into a position where you at least do it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. It's gotta be something simple. <laughs> I love that you found Egypt so sketchy. When I went to Morocco, I got a, what's the snake called? Uh, the, the rattlesnakes. Yeah. Yeah. I got this thrown in my face because I didn't want to pay them uh, more than we agreed to for the photo. That was awesome. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just Egypt is so poor. They're and, so poor. Honestly, yeah, it's so it's not it's not well. If you follow the politics a little bit, the actual reason why they kind of trying to hustle for money is because they lost so much tourism. Like Egypt has been one of the tourist areas for so many years for at, like at least European people, but after the I'm losing Something. my English. Yeah, <laughs> after the after they've tried to get the government down and change it, and now the military is there and like ruling the country and all kind of things, and that's been like many years ago. And people have gone on the street and they had civil war and whatever, and so then obviously people don't want to go travel there anymore, and they lost so much of their um, tourism. I think in the in the first five years, it's been almost eighty percent that's been cut. So obviously they just lost their yeah. most common income, you know? Especially with the coronavirus now, because I heard that they're like shutting Egypt down to China, which is like up like one fourth or one third of the traffic that they get for the pyramids. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. I'm not going to claim that I do. But there's also some weird like war territory thing going on where someone mm-hmm. is like in some other country like Iraq or something or... Bangladesh or I don't know what so something is like invading a corner of Egypt and like their military is like on standby 24-7 like kind of wandering around and I was like all right like seems like something's happening here like people are literally just walking around with machine guns and like tanks like everywhere yeah. like asking me questions or, like looking at my bag and stuff and I'm like mm-hmm. all right it's like a little bit different but I mean nothing happened but people were just like yeah you should probably just kind of get chauffeured around by someone who knows what they're doing and not like wander around too much and i was like all right i'll listen to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't want to wander around just the way things looked i was like "Ooh, i don't know right well let's get a little bit into the topic i talked about so i've seen one of your latest posts which i thought was pretty interesting i don't get in any online discussions but i thought it was a pretty good conversation starters and it seemed you've been very upset about this so okay. let me ask you <laughs> i really want to know this is about. <laughs> so a guy a media friend of us on facebook posted about how a million more women would be entrepreneurs if their husbands oh, yeah. would be more supportive and you were like what the fuck if women would be only more responsible for themselves they would just leave those husbands i'm just going to wrap up the whole conversation and post a little bit here so, and it seemed like you'd be like really hit with this. So tell me a little bit about the post and why you've been so... That was Fahim, right? And so, yeah, me and him had a long, long conversation about it in the DMs too. After that, and he was like, thanks for posting that, man. And I was like, yeah, because we kind of see eye to eye on it. I think it's not even about that topic, really. It's more about like 
the lack of responsibility ta- people take in their language in general. Like I, so I study like a lot of weird stuff. Like I, I study how like cultures develop and I, one of the ways that I know that cultures develop and one of the ways that I know people are persuaded and the ways that people persuade themselves is through their language. And so language and the things that you say to people is way more important than what people think it is. They're like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? It's like, no, people don't know what you mean. And like, that's right. why people in relationships, like, it's like why marriages fail. It's why people have bad relationships. It's why people don't understand each other. It's why people get into arguments because people actually are never saying what they think they're saying. So like an example of this is like, oh, you, you like, you know, you made me feel like shit today. It's like, you didn't make me do anything. How about I felt like shit in that situation today? That's mm-hmm. taking responsibility. The other one is like someone forced me to, like you're a victim of the situation. And the reality is like, you don't have to be in that situation. So like with that, it's like a million more women would be entrepreneurs if their husbands basically let them. And it's like, I've had so many sales calls where that was the case. And so I know where he wrote that post from is that he's getting on all these sales calls and women are like, I want to join your program, but I asked my husband and he, he doesn't think so. He thinks this is like a crazy investment. Like he doesn't believe in me, my ability to make money and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, who the fuck wants to be with someone like that? Like, honestly, it's like, oh, I can't because of him. And it's like, all right, well, why don't you just say like, you can't because you, you chose not to after talking to him, not you can't because of him. It's like you actually chose not to. That's like the real reality of it because technically you could just leave him and do it. So it is a choice. And I think that people, I would like to see more people owning their choices. I understand a lot of the comments on there were like, you don't understand how difficult it is. And I'm like, I never said it was difficult or not. I said it was a choice. If someone says, I'm going to put a gun to your head, I want you to color a picture on a, on a piece of paper in front of me right now, you have the choice to be like, nope, and get shot in the head. Like, you can do that. It's a choice. No one made you do it. So like, given the circumstance, you can choose to do it. But like, I think everyone should take responsibility for their life and their own actions because if you ever actually want to change your life, that's the first thing you have to do. You can't change something you don't have control over. And the reality is you do have control over it. You do have responsibility. So you should take responsibility in your language and say, I chose to blah, blah, blah. Or I felt like this in that situation. Not things are making me do it. I, I'm like so aware of this because it was a big problem in, in like past relationships that I've had is like not actually talking about feelings when you think you're talking about feelings and like putting blame on other people without even realizing that you're doing it. Like an example of that would be like people get into an argument and they're like, oh my God, I feel like you're such an asshole. That's it's not a feeling. That's imagination. Like I, when you say I feel like, it is the same thing as saying I imagine that. Like the word like after feeling is like a trick. It's like people actually psychologically place more importance on someone's feelings. So when you're talking about your feelings, people pay more attention. And so it's actually like manipulative and people don't know that they're doing this, but they're manipulating people to pay closer attention to what they're saying by disguising what they're saying as a feeling, even though it's not. And so like, I learned this in like a communications class that I took at this retreat. And there was like, 
these mo- multiple different language patterns. There's I notice, I feel, and I imagine. And it was like, I notice the wall is white. I notice you're five foot five. I notice the sky is blue. Like, I notice a fact, right? Then there is I imagine, which is like, I imagine there's dolphins swimming around me. Like you can imagine anything. I imagine you're being, you're jumping up and down right now. Like even though the person's not, right? You're imagining things. And then there's I feel, and that's a sensation. I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel like any other feeling like you can think of. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel angry, like whatever. And those like using those language patterns are actually how you communicate with people effectively in a way that they feel like they can understand you. And so it's like interesting because when I first started trying to do this, I would actually take me like sometimes like 10 minutes to figure out how I was actually feeling. I would pause like arguments I was getting into and be like, and I had this, it's actually from a book called Nonviolent Communication, which I really recommend everyone read. It's like this wheel of emotions. There's only like seven emotions and there's like 150 words for calling the same emotions, those things, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd sit there for like 10 minutes. I would look at this. I'm like, man, how do I feel right now? Because I'm like trying, I'm like imagining that this person in front of me is like, has bad intentions and like is being mean to me and is like lying to me and like all these things. But like, I don't know those things. I don't know that. I'm imagining that. I don't know that for a fact. What I do know is like, I feel sad. So like, a lot of times people will say things like, you didn't pick me up from school and that pissed me off. And like, I feel like you're being an asshole. That's how I feel. I feel like you don't care about me. Instead of being like, I noticed you didn't pick me up from school and I feel sad. I feel sad now about that. I wish you picked me up. It's like super hard to argue with someone when they talk like that because they take full responsibility for their emotions and their situation and I feel like it's like this major key that like no one's actually doing today. It's like, it's a very subtle change, yeah. but it's like, just take responsibility for your life and your emotions and like try to communicate with people good if you want them to understand you. Because otherwise they're going to misunderstand you. Be like, I'm not being an asshole. I'm not, I'm not blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, then you're in an argument instantly, just like that. Yeah. It's super interesting. I, I went through a few lessons of this course too. And nonviolent communication sounds pretty simple to adopt, but it's absolutely not. Constant, constant like thing you got to pay attention to. Yeah. And especially like I realized so much of uh, patterns that I didn't even notice have been have been learned basically all my life and wasn't even something that probably intentionally has been brought to my attention. Right. So even in school. If I look back, for example, history lessons, right? I'm from Germany. We have five years of your, it's your fault that you, like that Hitler killed uh, six to 11 million Jews, depends on how many, like, and, and you're still being made guilty for it, basically. Or as we say, like, you're still feeling guilty because of how many things are going to be like put out there and, and kind of the message is like, you should be feeling guilty. So this is what we want you to feel like, you know? And so it's really crazy to for me to like look back and I've I've taken a long journey of like unraveling these patterns as well. But I've 
I feel like, <laughs> it's funny, I feel like sometimes it's super interesting to also see if you use these patterns with someone that doesn't know them, what comes back. So what's your experience with that when you start using them? Yeah, I, I get a better response. Like they never feel offended. People don't usually like, I'm not perfect. Like it's what you said. It's like this stuff is not easy to implement because everyone around you is like not talking like that. And like, it makes it challenging to watch your own, you watch your own language all the time because you're always talking. <laughs> and it's like for 26 years, I talked like that. Like that's definitely not going to be an overnight change. It's going to be something that hopefully like over a few years I'll have mostly down. But yeah, I just, you know, I've taught other people this stuff and the way that they communicate, like I've even talked to my parents about it and I'm like, like I've sat them down when they've had conversations and been like, nope, nope, nope. That's not a feeling. That's your imagination. And they're like, no, I feel, I feel like she's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's your imagination. And they're like, oh my God, I am imagining that. And I'm like, yeah, why would you imagine something so terrible about someone? Like, why would you imagine that someone is being an asshole to you? Like, that's your imagination. You can imagine whatever you want. So, you know, usually in relationships, what I think is so fascinating is no one in a relationship has bad intentions for the other person. Yet two people can hurt each other's feelings and get upset with each other as if that was the case, just for miscommunication, because they're not speaking reality. Mm. They're like, oh, I feel like you're an asshole. And it's like, whoa. Like you're projecting that identity on me. And like, I don't even feel like that. I'm just trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know if you are. And it's like, you know, you just get this back and forth thing. But if you say, I imagine that you're being an asshole. It's like, why would you imagine that about me? It's like, it takes all the weight off of it. It kind of like becomes like, yes, we're agreeing right now, this is my imagination, which is kind of a joke. You know, like it's not nearly as serious as saying that's how you feel about someone. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times it makes it less serious and I get a much better response when I talk to people. And I think people like it when you take responsibility. It's like, hey, look, I left the door open. That was my fault, my bad. I know I shouldn't have done that. I was running late. And uh, I take full responsibility for that. Hopefully it won't happen again. And, and thanks so much for understanding. People yeah. are like, yeah, okay, cool. Instead of like arguing with them, like that was, you know, it didn't even matter that I did that because you were home, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, people just, it's just like, just take responsibility for, for shit. And like, you have a lot less arguments. Is maybe, so I'm going to swing around a few topics here, but so you started your first businesses thing together with, when you were in a relationship, right? Yeah. Which you're not well, in anymore. I'm not in that relationship anymore. Yeah, I um, It's interesting. You know, I started a lot of businesses. None of them were successful. So the first ones that were successful, I started with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, the first one that was successful was a social media agency. Right. And have you already been aware of these communication patterns by then? No. <laughs> How did no. that go? Yeah, I mean, things got a little turbulent in the relationship and we were doing a lot of work on that, on ourselves and together with, you know, therapy and retreats and books and, you know, things just got like, I don't know, you know, things just got a little turbulent. I think we, we weren't understanding each other the same way. 
And that was really challenging for the business. Like it became very challenging to work together. It became very challenging to communicate together uh, without offending each other. And things got started getting taken pretty personally. And yeah, we just looked, you know, for, for ways to improve ourselves and ways to, to communicate better and had a lot of, uh, it sounds like you've done a lot of work. I've done a lot of like really deep inner work and had a lot of breakthroughs. So in really unexpected ways, like I went to one of these things just to support her going through something. And then I ended up having like a huge breakthrough and yeah, just, you know, trauma, trauma work, childhood trauma healing type stuff where if people are listening to this, aren't familiar with that. It's not like something horrible happened to me when I was a kid. It's just sometimes when you're a kid, you get imprinted with memories that are things that happen that were traumatic, even though like looking at them, you're like, oh yeah, someone just like put you in timeout. That's not a big deal. But like at the time as a kid, the way I internalized it was that like all authority people, all people of authority, like don't want good things to happen to me. And like a lot of those things ended up ruining my life. So I got rid of a lot of those. I think I did a lot of work on it. Sounds like you have too. But yeah, I mean, without those, without those challenges, I, I definitely wouldn't be, I definitely wouldn't have the wisdom and the perspective that I have today, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think it really makes me a much better coach because I can really understand where people are at on like yeah. a human level, Yeah, you know? I think that's super important because um, as you say, so I've done... Oh my God, countless. <laughs> it's, a, I, it's a rabbit hole. I, I mean, I recently said to my friend, I'm fucking done for now with this work. And like the next day I just dove into another part of it. It's because like, I feel like you can't take a break. Once you've in there, you kind of keep growing and you kind of keep, um, yeah, as you say, go down the rabbit hole. And I started this personal development path more than 10 years ago. So I'm 33. I'm a little bit older. It's 10 years ago, but the real shadow work and the real deep dark work with all of my traumas that came up after my last relationship with a narcissist that really cracked me open in more than a few ways. And interestingly enough, I was traveling by this time uh, in Latin America. So that was like 2015. And I just found myself basically because of that, I didn't take any responsibility in this relationship about how I felt and how like I had no freaking boundaries. Like this was ridiculous, like literally none. And so there was, there was nothing that he basically couldn't do without me stopping him. And so after that, I was just sitting there and I realized that Everything that happened was basically me allowing that. And I was like, this is really shit. Yeah. (laughs) This is like, this is horrible. Like, why would I do this to myself also, right? Because you kind of have to look in the mirror and be like, why do you hate yourself so much to let other people do this to you? And yeah, so there is a lot of things. But yeah, then I kind of was like, okay, this needs to stop. And you need to figure out what went really wrong. And that, um, yeah, we're, we're here now in, did I say three years? That's five years. I think where, you said five years. Where's the fucking time going, man? Okay. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah, time's rolling on by. I know it's, it's, you know, it's really crazy to be, it's just, yeah, relationships are great mirrors. Businesses are great mirrors, I think. If you do it right, it's always something to look at with yourself. And I think a lot of people uncover things about you. And 
yeah, I think it's cool that you're taking a break. I think after that relationship that I had, like I, I stopped doing therapy for a while and I was just like, dude, I've had too many transformations. I think a little bit too fast. Mm. You know, it's funny because people are like, you know, they'll tell me like, man, like, you know, I want to have a business like you or, you know, how did you get there? Like so fast, right? Like, it's funny you open this up by saying like, you're, you know, the overnight success that it takes 10 or 15 years. Yeah, like totally. And the thing is like, I'm very... I have a very like ruthless approach to like the way that I do things in life. Like the way that I've done things, like it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to get around like high status people. So like, I'm going to go to these events and like literally sleep in a tent outside and not tell anyone and like go into the event, like sneak in there and like tell them I'm a photographer when I'm not and like just get into the event, like, and make friends. Like I did really crazy shit. And I work like, I stay up all night. I drive across the country. Like I will eat one meal a day. Like I am super scrappy. And like, I've done that for a lot of times and I've done so many transformations. Like it has been exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's almost like you don't even want that journey. Like when people are like, I would do anything. I'm like, dude, if you knew, like, I don't yeah. know if you it's like fucked up, you know, it's like you're like begging for it to stop from life. You know, you're like, I surrender to you life. Like, thank you. Like I'm done looking at what you're showing me. Like it's a lot of, you know, and I think a lot of people have that. I think at a, eventually everyone will have some kind of identity crisis if they keep growing. But, you know, I don't know if you're aware of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but yeah, it's like moving up that, that hierarchy is like, you're like killing yourself again and rebirthing yourself on every level. <laughs> it's like every day. It's like, yeah, people are like, well, I got to six figures and I'm like, oh, great. Well, getting to six, six, getting to seven figures, is like get ready to unlearn everything you just learned and thought works because now you almost got to do the opposite. It's like, yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, yep. Every level is like fucking confusing and different and like just requires totally different mindset and it never ever stops. So what do you think is the number one thing you learned about yourself that was so unexpected to you in this whole business journey so far? In business, you know, it's interesting because we're kind of having a really in- interconnected conversation, I think, with like inner work and like business. And yeah, I think I I didn't have emotion for a long time. I was a I was a droid dealer for a long time when I was a kid, and that's what I thought I had to do to get by. Unfortunately, I probably didn't, but I just did. That's what I thought I needed to do. Money was a huge focus for me as a kid because I grew up super poor, and everything in my house was like money was like never there. Money was always an issue. Money was always the conversation. Like you can't have that because of money. Like I don't know about your school lunch today. You got to figure it out. Like that kind of conversation was always there. So money was always super prevalent to me. And yeah, I just ended up developing like a really scarcity mindset. And what I learned from my therapist was like, you know, I started smoking weed when I was like 12 or 13 and I didn't stop until I was like 22. And, you know, I still smoke sometimes, but like not really. It it just doesn't really help me. Uh, but I'm not like against it or anything. It's just like, I don't want to use it to like numb myself out for 10 years like I did. And I didn't even know I was doing that. And my therapist like, oh yeah, it sounds like you had a really hard childhood and like you did a lot of work and maybe you were high all the time because you hated school because you hated authority members because like they traumatized you when you were a kid. And yeah, maybe you're just like doing that. And I was like, no, 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 that's not true. 
And then like two months later, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking true. He's fucking right. My therapist is always right. And like, it took always to tell me something. And it always takes me like two months to get it sunk in. And I'm like, oh my God, he was right. Cause I need to look for evidence, you know, in my own life. And yeah, so I think that was also one of the biggest problems I have in business because business is so much about empathy. If mm. you can understand where someone's at and you know how to communicate with them in a way they feel like you understand them and you know where they're going and you care about them, they're not going to buy shit from you. But do you really think it's empathy or more uh, empathy? <laughs> I'm thinking about embassies. Why empathy <laughs> or compassion? Because I feel like empathy has gotten me really in trouble sometimes with feeling the way other people feel and like getting on their level kind of rather compassion has helped me more in knowing where they're at and, but also being able to get them to the next level with understanding what path they need to take. I think I need like two definitions because I think they're really similar. I don't know how you define them. I guess like the way I define empathy is like just being able to understand and feel what someone else is feeling in that moment, almost like putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Do you feel like that's the same definition? Yeah, but but I feel like em empathy is then to kind of take on their feelings. Where, oh, yeah. no, whereas compassion is kind of like having those boundaries of understanding and like feeling for them, but not with them. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah, I definitely don't take on their emotions like that. I have really good boundaries. And it's interesting that you bring that up because I've done a lot of work on boundaries. And like, that's one of those like primary pillars of like this whole thing we're talking about, right? Is like, is like boundaries and setting them with people and like setting expectations and things like that as well. So I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, I don't really take on other people's stuff, but I, I really didn't have the ability, I think, to like give a shit about other people for a long time. Because mm. I was so like empty myself that like I was like, I need more. And like I'm not even there yet. And like I can't care about you right now. Like I don't even I can't I haven't even cared about myself enough yet. And like the thing was like, you know, growing up, well not growing up, like starting businesses, everyone's like, it's all about the impact. And like I am an impact-driven coach and like I want to change the world. And I'm like, that's wonderful. And I'm like, mate, wow, I feel like a piece of shit. Like that I don't feel like that, right? And then what I noticed though is like why the why a lot of people want to do that? And it's because they want to be liked or they're like insecure. I think a lot of people do want to impact the world, but I think a lot of people aren't even in a position to do that. It's like, dude, you haven't even, even like gotten yourself anywhere. You don't even have anything to give right now. It's like one of those things where, you know, if I have 30 bucks and you're like, oh, Ross, I'm hungry. And I'm like, me too. Take my 30 bucks, go get some food. And now I'm starving and I have nothing. It's like, that's not being in a position to give from a powerful place. Like you're giving stuff you don't have. And I think a lot of people do that. It's like they have an empty cup and like they want to be liked and they want to please other people. And so they like give anyways. And then they have like a mental breakdown like three weeks later about it mm. Pri privately. And they like hate themselves and they feel like guilty, you know, like they get in this weird loop. And I'm glad like I never did that. But I also used to feel bad about myself for not wanting to like help people. But once I made a lot of money, I had no motivation to work. I mean, I made like a million dollars and I was like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. 
I'm good now. Like, I don't even, I don't even know what to do. I'm then I actually had like this identity crisis because I was basically like, man, you know, to get here, I gave up everything. I gave up all my friends. I moved States. I gave up, I started dressing different. I started acting different. I get, you know, I started eating a really specific way. Like everything I identified with, you know, like all my hobbies are gone. Like I spent all my time working. Like I gave up my whole life for it for that pursuit. And cause I, I was like, I must just need to keep working harder to make it work. Yeah. And then when I got to a point where like it physically was impossible to work harder, I was like, why is it still not working? It's obviously not about that. And, but by the time I got there, I had lost everything that I had identified with like the Ross Johnson identity. You know, cause someone says like, you know, who are you? You're like, well, I like this kind of music and you know, these are the things that I do and this is what I do for work. It's like, imagine not having any of those things. It's like, who's Ross Johnson? Well, he's a workaholic. <laughs> and so once I made all the money, I got to really like spend time looking at that. And that was scary to look at. I was like, Oh, I don't know who I am. And then I was like, well, I guess that's good because I get to choose who I want to be now. And then I was like, Oh my God, I could be anyone though. That's like so many options. Like, so I, I, you know, I did therapy then and I was like, I don't know what I do. What do I do? Do I just like go try to ride a bike and like, see if I, if I like that, like, do I go try to canoe and like see if I like that as a hobby? Like I literally w- was so weird. I didn't know what to do. And, and like I had to change my whole motivation because I didn't even want to work. Cause I was like, I don't need to work for like a year or two. Like, I had yeah. so much money in the bank. I was like, dude, I don't need to do anything for like mm-hmm. years. And so I was like, what is going to motivate me to show up to work every day? Because I know that I, I should keep making more money and building this business. Cause eventually if I just stop building it, like, yeah, I have a year or two, but that's it. And I'm on the momentum thing. So like, I should just keep going. And I ended up changing, you know, my motivation to, to being able to help people. And, and it's real. It's like real. Like, I actually feel like I'm in a position where my cup is so full. It's just like overflowing on everyone around me. And I feel like that is like a real place of being able to give because it's not, I'm not giving at my own expense. Right. You know, I'm giving what I can and I'm able to continue to give because I'm always, my cup's always full. I'm like sustaining it. And so, yeah, it's a really powerful thing now. I feel like to, to get to that place because I wasn't sure I was ever going to be able to get there in a real way. Yeah. I could have lied about it and been like, oh, of course I care about people and helping them. But which was what I kind of felt like I needed to do because I felt so bad around these people, but I'm just happy to be there now. So who's Ross Johnson now? Mm, Ross Johnson now? I don't know. I kind of think we're like in a video game. I don't know so how what I level are you on then? Yeah, I don't think I'm on expert mode. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I wonder about life all the time. You know, I read a lot of philosophy books and, and things like that. And like I study human behavior and cognitive bias and psychology and psychological triggers and like weird things. I study like archetypes and characters and like why people are so obsessed with TV shows and characters and entertainment and like what that means and like what needs people have. and. I don't even know if people have free will, honestly. It's like really questionable. When I look at all this stuff, I'm like, do you don't think don't. so? No. They, they like, they don't. It's like you run on like 120 hardwired cognitive biases that like you can't even see your own reality through. And it's like when you start studying it, it'll, if no one, if people are listening to this, they don't know what we're talking about. Go study cognitive bias. It'll scare the shit out of you. Like, and you look at life and you're like, man, like, I just woke up here. No one knows why. There's all these weird things in place. Like you're going to go to school. We're going to educate you about 
basically nothing for 18 years. And then you're going to get a job and get married and have a kid. And it's like, or not, right. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or not, but like, there's just all this like weird shit going on. And like people, like we're so developed, like we have road systems and houses and basically like fucking flying spacecrafts and, and stuff like that. It's like, we're in outer space, like floating around a rock. I don't know. It just like doesn't get any weirder than that. And I know that that's super zoomed out from like everyone's normal day-to-day reality. They're worried about their kid. They're worried about their job. Like they're worried about what they want to eat for dinner or whatever. But like, I don't really live in that space. I'm like in this super zoomed out space 24 seven where I'm like watching everyone's behavior, testing things online, like writing certain stories and things and like watching what people have to say about it. And like, it's just fascinating. It's all like a big experiment for me. And I do it in the offline world though. Oh yeah, it's all, it has nothing to do with being online. It's just people, like like yeah. everything. Even myself. I'm like, why did I just say that? That's not yeah. even true. Yeah. And I'll say that to people. I'm like, what I just said is not even true. I don't even know why I said that. And then it's like, why did I say that? It's almost like there's automatic Ross, automatic you, that's like patterned and programmed with biases and all the things. And then there's yeah. like, once you start doing this work, it's almost like you start separating yourself and you can look at it and be like, whoa, I'm like literally running on automatic. Oh yeah. 90% of the time. It's like efficiency, right? Your body's like, there we go. (laughs) Like making decisions and like feeling ways and like, like, man, am I even doing that? And like, do I even have control? And like, is this like a game? Like what the fuck is this? So I don't know. I think that's who I am. And, you know, you think you listen to really, really smart people. And, you know, I think that's just a perception as well. But it's like Elon Musk is like, dude, we're basically definitely living in a simulation. (laughs) And it's really scary. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. If someone told me we were living in a simulation, I feel like it would make a lot more sense of what's going on right now. I'm going to send you something over after that, that will probably make you pretty happy. So let me know what you think about it. But answer the question for me, who's Ross Johnson now? I mean, I don't know. Do you like Kanu? Do I like what? Kanu. What's that? Kanuing. Did you try it? No. I mean, yeah, I like it. You know, I've done it. Went like kayaking in Hawaii and it was fun. Yeah, I like to like, you know, if you want to ask me what I like to do, I think who I am is a fluid concept. I think I'm always someone different. I think I am whoever I want to be in any given situation. And I think I've like very intentionally crafted a character online over the past like three to six months of who I want to be. And I think if you asked anyone on my Instagram audience, like Ross goes to a bar, what is he drinking? Ross goes to a restaurant, what's he ordering? Ross, what do you want to get Ross for Christmas? They'd all be able to answer you accurately. Really? Oh, Oh, interesting. Okay. I yeah, it's like I articulated a character, like a TV show character, and then yeah. I, conditioned, I conditioned it in for them to remember. I think people would me. just send me pineapples and something yellow. <laughs> yeah, see, like you have something. And it's like, that's important because like the more that someone, if you're a personal brand online, people think that you're their friend. And when you're their friend, they know things about you. They don't, you don't just talk about dieting all the time or whatever your niche is. You talk about other stuff that friends would talk about. Yeah. And they know things. They would know what to get you for Christmas. Friends know what to get you for Christmas. So when you're doing personal branding, like it's really important that you line up all your stuff like that, I think. And so, yeah, I think, who am I? Like, I think it's a fluid concept. I don't get too attached to who I am in the moment because I always want to be open to change. And mm-hmm. the things I like to do, like I love traveling now. I love 
shooting photos. I love studying. Like I'm a huge nerd. I love studying stuff. I love talking to people. I love doing shows like this. You know, I love helping people. I love eating great food. Some of the simple things, I guess. So I had, I think I watched an interview with Tom Bilyeu and one of his guests had a student who answered the questions of who he is with one word. And that word he chose was crit. And I love that. Yeah. Because he kind of was like, whoever else he is in the next day, he will always be that person who has crit and will be working hard to get where he wants to go. I think that's very entrepreneurial, right? Like I, I listened to a show probably a couple of years ago and they were like, if you need to have anything to be an entrepreneur, it's a grit. And they explained like why. And I agree. I mean, you got to be able to grind it out. It's definitely not easy. Yeah. A lot of people give I mean, the only way to fail really is to give up, honestly. If you just stick it out for a long time. I mean, I have this tattoo on my neck. It says inevitable because like that's what I always tell myself. It's success inevitable if you just never stop trying. And if I always try my hardest, I'll figure it out eventually because I'll just eliminate all the variables. Yeah. I think it would be crazy for me to think to myself, like, yeah, let's try this success thing for 60 years and like never figure it out. Like that's right. just not going to happen, you know? Right. So, and I think if you ask anyone that, like, hey, I'm going to set you an, an objective. If you can make a million dollars a year in the next 60 years, you know, if you can get up to that place, like we're going to give you like a billion dollars, like they'd be like, yeah, I could figure that out. That's a long ass time to figure that out. But right. people don't, you know, because they don't, they give up or they get scared or they don't have grit mm. or whatever it is. So I know I would love to talk more about the nerd stuff, but you have to come back because you've got another appointment in a few minutes. So I have yep. two more questions. First, tell me what does efficiency mean to you? Yeah, I thought about this efficiency. You know, I like the idea of it because I think it's just about setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up for like a, like a low drag lifestyle. It's like, I don't own anything really. You know, I have a house in LA, I have a house in Puerto Rico and like I actually only own a car, which I keep in storage in LA and then a suitcase and like a small carry-on and a backpack. That's all I own. Just got mostly camera gear in it. I wear all black. I just have like 12 black t-shirts and two pairs of black pants. And like, I can move anywhere. I'm very nimble and like, it's just low drag. I used to have a house, a lot of shit in it. And I was like, should I move? Nah, I'm not going to move because like then I got to move all this stuff. And it like held me down. So I feel like that's very efficient. You know, I sell online courses. So I only need to spend like 20% of my time delivering it and I can be totally locationally independent. Like, so I like setting up my life for, for efficiency in that way where it's just like a low drag, everything. Like it's just easy. Yeah, I love that. I talked about decluttering today. Why everyone should be getting rid of 80 or more percent of their shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so okay last question before we wrap it up so if you had to do everything over and over again to get where you are today but you had the knowledge that you had what are the three things that you would do over and over again to get where you are now way earlier i would solve a problem that was actually a problem for people i tried to start businesses really early on that were just like things i was passionate about that I, i were totally irrelevant of what actually other people cared about super obscure things. And I was like, oh, people are going to love this. I'm going to change their life. And I'm like, oh, they don't. They don't actually want this. So if you're going to start a business, make sure you solve a real problem. I would focus on the long run. Like I would, I used to have shiny object syndrome a lot. 
I'd bounce around from idea to idea to idea. And the first time I actually spent 12 months on one idea, I'd made like almost a million dollars in that 12 months. So I think focus is super important. Solving a real problem is really important. And I think also asking for help earlier would be would be great. I had a big problem with asking for help because my mom was like, oh, here's $5 for school lunch money, but it's my last $5. And I was like, I don't want it done. And like, I never asked anyone for help ever again. And I just like took care of myself after that. I could just feel the intensity in what she was saying. Like, I knew it was her last $5 and it was like yeah. for real, you know? And I was like, shit, I don't want that. And I think that set me up for like, not really, for being like, oh, no one can help me. And so, but you know, when you become an entrepreneur, man, you need the most help. So you better be good at asking for it because you're going to need a team and all this different stuff if you want to execute a big vision. So I think those are really three things I would, I would do different. I love it. Russ, thank you so much. You got to come back for all of this nerd shit we got to talk about. Um, super down. Cool. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you online and what they can find there. Yeah, cool. So if you follow me on Instagram at Ross Johnson, you're going to find weird stories, interesting <laughs> contents, beautiful pictures. And yeah, you'll probably learn a lot about business and different stuff like that. But also I, I talk a lot about psychology and persuasion and storytelling and Lots and croissants. And croissants. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my stories. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I hope you're not going to be late for the next one. Russ is doing a podcasting marathon tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm super excited to be one of the chosen ones. So thank you so much. And I hope to see you super soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember... Slow down to speed up.